Hi, I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of Fruits Basket, and we try and keep it spoiler-free, but sometimes we slip up, so if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps, as well as for content warnings. Without further ado, let's get into this. Episode 6. Episode 6. This was a lot. Yeah. When I watched the episode originally, I didn't think I was going to have that much to say about it, and uh, when I took my notes, I found that I was completely wrong. Yeah. I have a lot to say about it. (laughs) There's just a lot of things. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's the start of, like, the the big arc. Yeah. Basically. It's, like, what kicks everything off. There's also just, like, a lot of characters in it, more so than normal. Because Momiji is like, let's let's get everyone mixed up in here. Um, he invited the entire fucking Zodiac. Yeah, experiment. <laughs> but I think it's funny that Momiji just, like, loves to strong-arm people into hanging out with him. He's He just, like, if there's ever a group activity, it's always Momiji who, like, initiates it. Like, way back at the yeah. fucking uh, bathhouse, he's like, we're going to a bathhouse. It's, it's hot springs, not bathhouse, Jesus Christ. Um, but he's like, we're going to a hot spring. I already bought the tickets. Let's go. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Um, and then here, uh, then the haunted house, Momiji's like, yay, school's out. We're going to a haunted house. Um, like, he just, like, decides things. He's, as much as he's the cutesy little, like, whatever, he's also, like, you know the friend Dom? That, like, the one that always has to, like... <laughs> like, um, like, have you seen that joke where it's, like, uh, I'm the friend Dom because none of my friends can fucking decide, like, which restaurant to eat at and they always make me pick? Like, that's Momiji. He's always... <laughs> that is Momiji. Momiji's the friend Dom. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Um, what a guy. Yeah. And then he also- And his- his little bag. His little bag is so cute. That's what I was thinking about during the scene. And- and I saw on Tumblr someone pointed out that his bag, the face on it changes based on <laughs> Momiji's mood. Um, we love that for him. Like, at one point he's shocked and the- and the face is a little shocked face. That's so cute. That's fun. I like that. Um, yeah. his that outfit in general is iconic. Um, Momiji has some of the best outfits in Fruits Basket. He's just, like, out there- spicing it up, wearing his weird clothes, and I yeah. love him for that. Um, I also think it's fun that he, like, goes into Kyo's room just, like, already manipulating him, and Kyo is like, you don't need to do this, I'll come. He's like, oh, sick! <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not being a bitch anymore, so I don't have to, like, go, like, fucking guilt trip you into coming on social outings with me. <laughs> Uh, I loved that little scene with the two of them. I love Momiji and Kyo. Every time they interact, I just, like, they're so cute. Like, they're brothers. They are. They're very much, like... It's very, like, older, younger brother. Mm -hmm. Always giving him a fucking noogie, and Momiji's like, Kyo hit me! (laughs) So freaking cute. I love them. They're great. I'm like, and then what happened? So much happened in this episode. Um... I liked the... I personally don't really care about the hat thing. It's a weird... 
It's one of, it's a very weird Takaya, like, everything's connected. Yeah. Like, soap opera, like, high drama, like, what the fuck is happening? I've never been that invested yeah. in the hat stuff, because it's just, like, I don't think it's necessary for, like, everyone to be connected since childhood to every single character for, like, the relationships they have to each other to really have meaning. So, like, all of that stuff is, mm-hmm. like, I guess it's fine that it happens, but it's not why I'm invested in the relationships. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, that it it it's not like a a necessary like character beat. Um, I did make a note that I like. The only reason I do like it is I think it's like one of the first times that Yuki, like, tries to open up to someone. Yeah. And he did try to open up to Toru and got interrupted, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. I mean, it, you know. <laughs> This is like what? a weird thing, but like that scene because it's in we're in Toru's bedroom, and uh, yeah. the set design for Toru's bedroom kind of wigs me out because it's like excessively <laughs> pink. It looks like the kind of room that like an eight year old girl would design for herself, and it's just like it's kind of weird for Toru. Like I don't know. Like she's like very feminine. Like she's a feminine character, and like but it's not like she's like a pretty pink princess like that's not her fashion like that's not how she dresses and i feel like her room is like kind of in contrast with like how she is as a character and it was just like a little jarring to me to like go into her room and it was like everything was like baby pink and i was like what the fuck is this um yeah yeah i agree also like in contrast with like yuki and kyo's bedrooms which i think both really fit their characters yeah um it it shows and it's also like it implies that she like bought all new like bedding and curtains for herself or that like someone else bought them for her and neither of which i think would really happen like i don't think toru would like Mm -hmm. be the type of person to be like i'm gonna go buy myself some like curtains for my like and if she did it would be like i'm gonna like turn some like fucked up old sheets into like curtains or something I don't know. It just, like, it didn't look like something she would design for herself. Like, the only thing that could explain it is if maybe, like, Shigure just, like, walked in and is like, I bought you a bunch of shit. And she was like, well, I can't look a gift horse in the mouth, so I guess my room looks like this now. (laughs) Yeah. We just had some technical difficulties, uh, so we had to stop recording for a second, but we were just talking about set design in Toru's bedroom. Toru's room. Yeah. And how I think it's weird and doesn't quite fit her character. Um, but that's about all I had to say on that anyway, so we can move along. Cool. Oh my god, yeah, so the next thing that happens is the Rin Sugar A scene. Right? They, like, they have the whole hat thing, yeah. he gets interrupted, they all leave, and then Rin rolls up. Rin rolls the fuck up. Um, I had yep. a lot to say about this scene. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes in the manga. The first thing I had to say about it is that um that girl must have some back pain. <laughs> Just from like those boobies. Her proportions. <laughs> like she's so skinny and her boobs are so big. Like she can't like so su- like she does not have like the muscle mass to like support that, you know? Like she must have some like back pain, like upper back pain. I hope she's okay. And, um, if she ever got a reduction for the sake of, like, not having a constantly in pain neck, I would not blame that girl. Yeah, if she has a reduction, good for her. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how different okay. all the stuff I have to say about the scene is. That was just, like, the first thing, because she shows up and you just, like, are confronted with her character design, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> no, her character design is, uh, yeah, she, her. <laughs> She's a beanpole with tits. <laughs> um, she doesn't even have an ass, either. <laughs> just tits. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the scene. It's the scene. It so sure is the scene. This scene is one of my favorite scenes in the manga, and it's also the very end of the scene is one of my favorite images from the manga. It's the, the like, final image from that scene. Um, I had a lot of mixed feelings about this scene for, for reasons that I think are obvious, but I'll get to that. Um, because I want to talk about the stuff that I liked about it first. Because <laughs> I did actually really okay. like the way that they adapted it. Other than, you know. So I went back and looked at the manga as I was taking notes on this episode because I wanted to see how similar the scenes were. And they're almost completely, like, shot-for-shot identical. Um, Like, her, like, stepping up onto the patio and, like, going into the house, whatever, it's all the same, which I liked because, like, the image of Rin stepping onto the patio and, like, just leaning all of her weight on Sugar Ray, I, like, I love it. I think, like, it shows that, like, she used all of her physical strength to come to Sugar Ray's house and that she's also, like, emotionally pinning all of her hopes on him. Um, so I'm glad that they, like, mm-hmm. kept uh, a lot of the, like, physicality from the manga in the show. Because I think it reads really well and it um, it shows, like, what Rin, what Rin's motivations are without really knowing the specifics. Um, what else did I have to say? Oh, that Shigeru's voice actor killed it. The, like, one bark of laughter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so good and then he does a good job this yeah i have some more stuff to say about his voice actor for, for from later in the episode but he does a good job what were you saying i was just saying that like since the way they're playing shigure is very different in this adaption compared to like the original anime i think he does a really good job of like being that character like he he takes like the way he is in the manga and i think really like knocks it out of the park yeah totally so then they did add so they added two moments one of them was that it's um rin putting her hand on shigure's knee which i really liked um that is added Mm -hmm. and i think it shows that she it, it shows what what her intentions are and it also shows that she is like desperate um, yeah. yeah. And then the thing that happens immediately after is what the obvious problem is, was the POV shot from Shigure's point of view of Rin. Uh, yep. Did you have any thoughts on it before I go on a fucking rant? <laughs> um, I hated it. Uh, my thoughts was gross. My thought was like, it just like, it, I feel like it kind of distracts from what the scene is supposed to be Mm -hmm. um it makes shigure's motivation it makes you like what should what it it seems wrong Mm -hmm. because like it i mean part of it is that shigure actually isn't like that interested in her um it makes shigure i mean shigure is a fucking creep but like it makes him creepier than he actually is Mm -hmm. i think 
Yeah, I thought a similar thing that it like kind of obscures his motivation to have that shot, to have that shot and then also have that shot be from Sugar Ray's literal point of view where looking at her through Sugar Ray's eyes. Yeah, like artistically in that way, I I agree. It doesn't it doesn't make sense and it doesn't match Sugar Ray's actual intentions and it misleads it misleads you from Sugar Ray's intentions and it also overexplains the subtext of the scene. Like, yeah. I didn't need that to understand what Rin was offering. Like, the hand was enough. Exactly. Like, they added the hand to kind of drive it home, mm-hmm. and I think, like, that was, like, a good moment, and it, like, you're like, okay, like, I see what's happening, but you didn't need the fucking hentai ass down her shirt shot. Yeah. I watched this scene so many times in a row to try and figure out any, like, artistic directorial reason that's in the scene but I couldn't find one and the only thing in my opinion it does is detract from the scene um and it's like I just think it's there to like objectify women and I, and then I thought that and then it was really solidified to me that that was why when the very next shot was it a fucking ass shot of Toru which no one asked for by the way yeah so mm-hmm. it just like made me mad and I and I thought that it um negatively impacted a scene that was otherwise really cool yeah i think like one of the things i liked about fruits basket and like because fruits basket was like the first manga i ever read and the first anime i ever watched as a kid and i think uh one thing that like it how it brought me into anime is that it didn't have a lot of weird unnecessary fan service um which i think you know when i was a kid like made it a lot more palatable to me because like I don't know, this is, like, something, I mean, you get fan service everywhere, but I remember one time I, I was, I really loved superhero cartoons as a kid, and so I went and I tried to read, like, a superhero comic, and, like, one of my favorite characters just, like, was wearing fucking, like, nothing, like, she was in, like, a glorified thong and, like, weird, like, pasties, and I was like, oh, I'm not reading this shit, um, I hate this, this makes me super uncomfortable, I'm, like, 11, um, but... Fruits Basket has, like, sex- I mean, not, like, sex scenes in it, but, like, there's, like, implied sexual moments in it, and there's, like, this scene is supposed to be, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, sexy, but, like- like sensual. Like, cause- yeah, it, and it's supposed to imply, like, that Rin is kind of offering a sexual favor to Shigure in exchange for, like, uh, information, but, um, it's- it's not necessarily like it's not super creepy to Rin. Like it's like it's supposed to be a little weird and skeevy, but it's not like like that's you're also supposed to read it as that. And this it was like too fan servicey. Like I don't think fan service belongs in Fruits Basket. I think it's like it's just it takes away from the story. It makes me uncomfortable. Um it's gross. I also think like like when I read that scene in the manga what I see is a teenager trying to weaponize her sexuality in order to extort information out of an adult and and the adult in the situation not reacting the way that she wants Um, but with that added shot it's implying that he is reacting the way that she wants because he's looking at her in that way but we know that he doesn't take her up on it or i assume that he never takes her up on it i don't think they ever talked about it again yeah um it's men shouldn't be allowed to make tv is what i'm saying yeah 
Fruits Basket was written by a woman, and the fact that it's being directed by a man, um, I yep. think probably is t- t- making uh, certain aspects of it uh, worse. Yeah, it's detrimental <laughs> um, overall. Um, and it also makes me worried about scenes, about upcoming scenes where there is nudity, um, in a w- and it just makes me worry that they're going to sexualize those people when, in the two instances that I'm thinking of, neither of those characters are in a sexual situation. They're just naked. Yeah. I, it, it's something like, Fruits Basket could be super fan servicey based on the premise like the premise like you could totally take the fact that they're like they turn into animals and then when they like poof back into human form they're fucking naked but it's like she never takaya never really went for that it's always just like ah toru's freaked out and she looks away and there's like a cloud of smoke um shout out to the cloud of pink smoke (laughs) that makes it so i never have to see teenagers um (laughs) uh like, there was, I mean, I remember, actually, like, way in season one, there was, like, the weird, they threw in the weird, like, sexy Kyo in the shower scene, and he comes out in this, like, weird, tiny little towel, and I was like, I don't yeah. want this. No, that was weird, too. It was weird. I was like, hello? He's fucking, like, 15. I did want to say in this episode that the boys are all half naked for, like, a good chunk of that time, and they were not sexualized in the way that Rin was. And that makes me really mad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they should sexualize them as well. I'm saying they shouldn't sexualize teenagers um, in this show or anyone in Fruits Basket, really, because that's not the point. Yeah, it was like you could have had like the it's the beach episode. They're sparkly. You get like the sh- the shoujo sparkles and like gliss- fuck Kyo's fucking glistening abs. Yeah. And instead, it's just like him with his like hoodie on. He wears his hoodie into the fucking ocean because he's a dumbass yeah. he wears a hoodie and jeans into the ocean even like yuki like, wore jeans to the beach like they show yuki like taking off his shirt and it's like he's just doing it while talking it's just so yep which i think is fun i think it's it's honestly kind of refreshing to be like yep if you go to the beach you take off your shirt and it's fine and normal because it's the fucking beach i mean it would be refreshing um, if like they hadn't just showed me toru's ass Honestly, like, the Toru's ass thing almost made me more mad than Rin. Because at least Rin is putting herself in a situation where she's like, I'm sexy. Like, that was the point of that scene. But why did they have Mm -hmm. to do that to Toru, man? She didn't serve that. I didn't want to see her ass. No one wants to see her ass. Nope. I'm- yeah. It's- that's what I had no, to say about that scene. Men have no rights. Men have no men rights. Men don't have rights. Moving on yeah. to to Haru's e-boy sunglasses. Haru, the OG e-boy, he was an e-boy before. I love that he's e-boy wearing now a choker to the beach. <laughs> he's yeah, gonna get a choker o- tan. <laughs> I've gotten, I've done that before. I can't wear chokers because they make me feel like I'm gonna die. But, um... You'll never be an e-boy. I appreciate... Like me and Haru. I'll never be an (laughs) e-boy. Are you a fucking e-boy, Sophie? Is this what you're saying? (laughs) If wearing Um, chokers makes me an e-boy, then yes. I think you need to have, like, the haircut. Like, the the middle part. And, like, the... The chains. And the stupid sunglasses. You just need to look like Haru. But... You need to look like Haru. Haru doesn't have the middle part, but he has like everything else going for him. If it was if it was twenty twenty in Fruits Basket, he would have a middle part. Yeah, 
<laughs> um, but I love that. I love that for him. I love his stupid beach outfit. Um, where do you think he got tattoos? Like, who tattooed a minor in Japan? I don't know, because they also, like, tattoos are, um, like, not socially acceptable there either. Yeah. And also he's, like, 16, 15 or 16. I think he's, at this point in the story, I think he's fucking 15. I think he's 15, because he's, like, a second year, and or he's, like, about to start his junior year. No. Yeah, he's about to start his junior year. Okay, so then he's, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, Regardless, he's, he's like either not old enough to get a tattoo. Yeah. Um, so who knows how the fuck he got that. And he also has had a tattoo since the beginning of the show when he was, like, not even in high school yeah. yet. Um, so. So good for him. But, love that for him. Yeah. Um, I will bully Kyo for wearing jeans to the beach. Even if he didn't plan on getting in the water, um, do you really want your denim just, like, fucking full of sand, dude? What is wrong with you? Wear some shorts, like, any sensible person. Like, I don't care if you hate the water, um, and that didn't stop you anyway, so now you're in, like... He's so stupid, but I love him so much. I know. Um... One of the notes I wrote, I think this was Momiji, I think it was Momiji, was like, well, the car ride was really long, and every time a non-American says that, I'm like, shut up. You don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what I've been through. What's the longest car ride you've been on? The longest car ride I've been on? Um, I think we drove 12 hours from New York to Indiana. I think that's the longest one I've been on. Was twelve right. hours straight, but I did spend six months driving around the country in pretty large chunks of time for six months straight. So like, yeah, like we would be going on like six or seven hour car rides like every single day for six months. Yep, and we'd be in the same fucking state. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Is like I <laughs> would buy, so I would drive like seven hours, and I'd still be in fucking Wisconsin or whatever. <laughs> yep, longest I've done is thirty. 30 at um, once? Yeah. Um, I was in this, like, bus ride to, from Massachusetts to Louisiana, mm-hmm. and, like, they would switch out the driver. Like, there was, like, there was, like, some stops, but we slept in the bus, so, um, uh, we slept in the bus, and it was long as fuck. Uh, it probably was not that long. Um, that's not relevant to Fruits Basket, uh, yeah. is that they were probably in a fairly short car ride. Yeah, so fuck them. Um, <laughs> Non-Americans. Fuck them. Goodbye. About long car drives. That's all I had to say about it. Yeah, I would like to talk about Kyo's 10-foot horizontal leap. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he gets on the rock. He just, like grabs a floaty and launches himself across the ocean and onto a fucking rock. Kyo's magic sometimes. He also gets out of the water completely dry. <laughs> I, I do like uh... that they acknowledge, like, they like he, like, appears on the rock, and then, like, a minute later, later Haru is like, how did he get over there? <laughs> <laughs> Extremely cute moment. Uh though when he just like 
uh, is like, okay, I can't let Toria drown in the fucking ocean. Uh, hops in the water and starts dragging her through in a floaty and is like, Momiji, you have to teach her how to breathe. And then Toru's like, yay, this is fun. He's like, oh my god, she's having fun. I'm gonna die. Like, you can just, like, you can see his little, like, brain whirring being like, oh god, Jesus Christ, I'm in love with her too much. Like, yeah, it's the Kyoru in the sup was He's like, good. Chef's kiss. The Kyoru in the lake house arc just, is just really good. It's, it's pretty, it's like peak Kyoru it is, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I just, I love, you can tell just like how much like making her happy, like makes him happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he, like they're friends at this, like they're like best friends at this point. Yeah. Um, and really close, but like. It's just, like, he sees moments where he's, like, oh, like, I can actually, like, make her happy. Like, she actually really does, like, having fun with- like, like, she really likes having fun with me. And it's, like, you can see kind of the impact that has on him whenever that hits him. He's, like, oh, wow. Like, hmm. Yeah. Uh. So about with her. It's crazy. I love him. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about- the flashback that happens in the middle of the beach scene, which it happens that way in the manga as well, where they're in the beach and it gets interrupted by the flashback. Um, I thought it was a little weird in the anime. I don't know. It was kind of just, again, like the pacing is sometimes kind of weird. I can't really put my finger on why. And they are still following like what she did in the manga. It just doesn't translate to TV. I don't know. I guess, I mean, on some levels, I guess it kind of makes sense, because we're dealing with Yuki, who just, like, he doesn't really get to control the pacing of having to, like, have PTSD flashbacks, so I guess it makes sense that it's just, like, sometimes he's just, like, vibing on the beach, and he's like, time to remember something traumatic, and then he's like, well, back to vibing on the beach. No, I agree with you, Um, and I think that, like, the placing of the flashback makes sense, because, like, as he starts pushing himself to open up to people and to like reconcile with his past obviously like he's gonna start having things like this happen to him um so i agree with you like that the placement of the flashback isn't what i have a problem with it was just like the transition in and out yeah it makes sense um but i loved the flashback thought it was really well done i went back and looked at it in the manga as well and i thought it was um i'm so sorry there's a fucking fire truck yeah, so I went back because I wanted to see um, what it looked like, um, and I thought that they adapted the art from the manga really, really well. Because, like, what it looks like in the manga is, like, it's a lot of negative space, because obviously, and, like, inky flowers and these, like, very dark, like, black, like, action lines. And the way that they adapted it in the anime was the geometry of the tatami mats on the floor um, in a very, like, mm-hmm. wide-angle shot. Um, and I thought it looked really, really good. Um, and just, like, the, the, the tatami mats all, like, crisscrossing in this huge, like, cavernous room where Yuki and Akito are so far in the corner. They're the farthest things away from us. And then, like, it fucking, like, smash cuts to, like, just an extreme close-up of Akito and the extreme close-up of Yuki. It, like, reminded me of, like... Evangelion, like that, like little bit of their like very extreme close-ups of their faces. Um, I 
thought it was very beautiful uh, and I thought it was really well adapted and I was really excited to see um, them actually adapt something in a way that I liked artistically. Yeah, I feel like the flashbacks up until now have been kind of hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one definitely, because this was a scene that stuck in my head. Like, when I was first, like, I don't know, um, there's, like, some things that, like, when I went, like, a long period of time where I kind of didn't think about Fruits Basket that much, because it was just, like, whatever. I read it when I was, like, a middle school, and then I didn't reread it until college. But, um... It's, like, I always remember, like, that scene of, like, Yuki and Akito in the corner, just, like, both crouched down together. Like, and it's, like, I think there's something really, I don't know, it's, it's different than, like, if Yuki had been crouched down and Akito would be standing over him. Something about the fact that they're both crouched down at eye level, like Yuki's cornered and Akito is like gotten right down into it's his like face. It's like claustrophobic. That really, yeah. Um, and it's also it's this like contrast of the claustrophobia of like Akito like cornering Yuki, but also like the like huge big empty space they're in. So it's like lonely, lonely, but also really like suffocating. Yeah. Um. And it's something that's always just kind of, like, stuck in my mind as one of those things from Fruits Basket that kind of haunts me. Like, that and, like, the... You get the little bits of, like, the painting. Mm -hmm. Like, in, like, other Yuki flashbacks, that's always really, like, stuck with me. Is, like, Akito with the paintbrush has always, like, been something in Fruits Basket that comes back to me when I think about it as something that just, like, really sticks with you. Um, So I think they did a really good job with this flashback because it made me happy and it gave me that same like feeling of just like i don't know lonely and claustrophobic yeah yeah Yeah, it was good there's a lot of heavy shit in this episode and they were all in such like Mm -hmm. small bites of just like really heavy shit Mm -hmm. i also one thing i liked about this scene is i think it parallels um the way that kyo later on can like instantly read Toru and know something's up is like Haru like looks over and is like what just happened yeah like you went somewhere yeah. like and I think that's Yuki Haru is real yeah, that's the truth <laughs> um I'm a chronic Yuki Haru truther and I cannot be stopped <laughs> speaking of Haru the next thing I have written in my notes is Yuki nice <laughs> every time Haru speaks English I'm delighted I think it's such a cute it's... like character quirk to just have him say random like phrases in English. He's the only one who does it. It's so freaking cute. Yuki. I love him. It's so endearing. It's like adding weird little details like that really brings characters to life mm-hmm. where it's just like they have these weird random quirks and the fact that like he makes his own jewelry and randomly likes to throw English into his words, into his sentences because he thinks it's like cool or something. Just like, I don't know, makes him feel more real yeah. than he could otherwise. Um, speaking of, of Yuki and Haru again, one of the other quotes I wrote down was, Yuki says to him, I can't tell if you're being nice or, or if you don't care. Which I think is a very good, like, summation of Haru's character. Yeah. He is being nice. He's just weird. <laughs> yeah. I also said, oh, I said that Haru likes to meddle. Like, Haru and Momiji have this in common where they like kind of meddling with other people's relationships because mm-hmm. they like... I feel like they're the kinds of people that, like, probably when they're just hanging out with each other and not, like, the rest of them, they're, like, 
discussing, like, okay, so I think, like, definitely, like, Kyo and Toru have something going on, (laughs) and, like, they probably, like, argue with each other, like, until, like, they kind of get the sense that, like, you, like, Kyo and Toru are, like, fucking endgame, is, like, they definitely, like, I don't know, I think Yuki kind of has something going on with Toru, and I think they like to scheme with each other and, like, joke Totally. Around. That's just my opinion. No. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're gossip buddies. Uh, they're gossip buddies, and they love to meddle. Uh, before we move on from, from these two, because after this they're gone, I just wanted to mention Hiro and Kisa in this episode were really fucking cute. Um, I love Hiro. I love Kisa, too, but Hiro, when I was, like, ten, was one of my favorite characters. Um, and I also think that Hiro and Kisa have more emotional maturity than, like, every adult in this show. Just based on that one scene yeah. of him actually going to, like, apologize to Kisa, and then Kisa also apologizing, and then, like, having a normal human interaction and, like, a healthy relationship. I just love it. They're gonna be, like, the most well-adjusted adults out of everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. oh, I did want to say it was funny that, like, it's consistent that Kyo is, like, very predictable, and they're just like, hey, Kyo, let's do a race. Kyo's like, I'm not fucking doing that. And Yuki's like, they're like, but you can race Yuki. And he's like, I'm gonna beat his ass. And everyone's like, yup. <laughs> it's just like, they, it's funny that it's just like, even though he's, like, matured mm-hmm. in, um, come a long way there's still just things they could they know they can like push this button and it will always get a response i think he will always be um, like insanely competitive i just think that's just like part of his yeah. like he's just like a competitive guy yeah i also thought it was um we had another moment of like yuki kyo solidarity <laughs> where haru this was a little earlier haru was like you know i thought Sh- shigure would be here so he could ogle Toru in a bathing suit, and they're both like, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Just, like, instantly. I love how they're both, like, the minute anyone is remotely creepy towards Toru, both of them just, like, immediately enter, like, I will fucking do a murder mode. Um, I think it's sweet. Yeah. Like, they both love her so much. They're both like, Toru has done nothing wrong ever in her life, and if anyone tries to hurt her, we will kill them. <laughs> I didn't write a lot. I actually didn't write anything about <laughs> about like the next scene of them like outside. Um, but I think okay. you had stuff to say about it because it was Kyoru. Yeah, and I don't want to move past it. Uh, well, it wasn't quite Kyoru. It was more like so. In my opinion, Lake House is when like Toru starts being her own character with her own character arc more so in the show. Like, in the first season especially, um, her role in the story is largely, like, someone comes and dumps her trauma on her, and she, like, gives them an inspirational speech, and then they're like, you've changed my life, and I would die for you, and she's like, nice. And you can start to see in this second season, like, oh, she has, like, anxiety about her future, um, because, like, she doesn't really know what to do with herself, because her mom's dead and like she doesn't know if she'll like be able to stay like a part of the soma's lives and that's kind of become her whole world and so she's got this like anxiety about that but i think lake house is when you really start to see her come into her own as a character because you start to see like 
you know, Toru has her own, like, traumas that she's dealing with. She's not just, like, here to kind of, like, fix everyone else. She's also, like, dealing with her own baggage. And, it like, it's really clear when you see this scene where it's like, oh, like, Hiro is being a little bitch. He's like, hey, why the fuck do you not care about your dad at all? And, like, she could come up, like, if, if, like... Theoretically, Toru could be like, oh, he just died when I was really young and I don't really remember him. But you can see that, like, what happened with her father did really traumatize her. Because um, she, like, she can't even respond. She just, like, laughs and, like, walks away. Which is, I think, like, one of the most upset we've seen Toru in the whole season. Like, we see her cry all the time, but this was, like, clearly, like, a different kind of upset. Like, something that's, like, she doesn't even know how to handle. Like, if she knew how to handle this feeling, she would cry. Yeah. But the fact that she just, like, has to laugh and, like, walk away means that, like, this fucked her up. Mm-hmm. Um, or not necessarily that, like, Hero fucked her up, but, like, this experience that Hero is bringing up to her, like, just, like, thinking about it and trying to, like, process any of her feelings about that situation, she, like, doesn't even know where to start. Yeah. I think that Toru definitely, like, has a lot of repressed feelings for her father that she refuses to even admit that she has like i think that like the scene of her with her mom's picture on the balcony kind of shows that yeah that she's only directly addressing her mother um and not acknowledging that she has pain um associated with her father um i hope that the reboot uh touches more on her reconciling a lot of the stuff that her father did yeah. Just all of it, like, what he did to Kyoko. I, I hope that they touch on it more, because I think it would help Toru develop as a character. Yeah. I think... I mean, this is this is kind of spoilery, um, but I think, like, her feelings about her father are also, like, the way she deals with her feelings about her mother that aren't all perfect adoration. Because Kyoko, when she was, like, was not like a perfect mom Mm -hmm. like Toru had to grow up really really fast like it's not emotionally healthy for the fact that she was like helping her mom like budget when she was like five or whatever the hell like she was like a really young kid and she was already like trying to take on all of this responsibility which is like not developmentally appropriate for a kid and like definitely like on some level traumatized her and so the way she like and like Kyoko was trying her best like she was a single mom that was really young and like clearly really loved Toru and I think Kyoko was like still a good mom but like let Toru take on way more responsibility than was healthy for her and so I think the way that Toru like reconciles the fact that she like had to grow up so quickly is like she kind of dumps her negative feelings about ways that maybe Kyoko kind of failed her onto her father. I think you're right. (laughs) I can talk more about my feelings about Kyoko and Toru's father and Toru and how that all, all of my kind of hot takes about that more so when we actually sort of dig into In season three. <laughs> Toru's father was at all. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I wrote about was my favorite scene in the fucking episode where I was going Wait. literally apeshit. Did you, did you have something else to say? Uh, before we move on to that. Uh, I was sorry, I had to go off about, like, Toru, but I also think, like, we get to see one of, like, a really subtle but powerful Kyoru moment that I think, like, is just, like, fucking perfect, where it's just, um, like, Kyo just knows she's upset. Yeah. Like, every- like, she's- 
like she's like she's extra cheery and everyone's just like huh okay like even like yuki who knows her well like can't really like read like what's going on um and everyone's like well she seems like she's fine uh she seemed a little upset yesterday but this is cool um but then like kyo rolls up looks at her for like three seconds like he was on a jog like he straight up like sees her like gets like one look at her and is like hero what the fuck did you do <laughs> like he's like not only is like not only is she upset but i know who did it like um which i think is so sweet and it just shows that like he's really tuned into her and the fact that like because kyo like toru is a really repressed character and so the fact that like Kyo is the person that can like see past the ways she both is trying to protect herself from her emotions and protect other people from her emotions and the fact that he can be like uh-uh I see I see what you're doing um what the fuck is happening and who do I have to and do I have to like bully this ten <laughs> um, yeah yeah it's sweet and I love them they're good I love Kyo. He's a good boyfriend. They're not dating yet, but he's a good boyfriend to her. They're um, so good for each other. They are. They're really, like, there for each other. Mm-hmm. They- I love- you know, it's like the romance of just, like, these are two people that make each other better. Yeah! And happy. Like, not only are they, like, in love and ro- it's romantic, but also it's just, like, be- them being in each other's lives genuinely, like, helps them, like, become, like, happier, healthier people. It's true. <laughs> and, and now to move on it to is. two people who make both of the, or each other's lives worse. <laughs> and uh, yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> um, now for the cigarette. opposite. <laughs> A prime Aww. example of how they both manipulate each other in such horrible, unhealthy ways. And it just makes me so happy. I just love to see it. <laughs> it, it's so spicy. It's so spicy. Yeah. First thing, first note I wrote: Akito, big sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did write one of my notes is Akito with four O's, and then this is so sexy. So sexy. Oh. Um, Akito's voice yeah. actor. Similar to Yuki's voice actor is exactly what I think Akito should sound like. They fucking nailed it. I think they sound amazing. Yeah. And also the voice actor is really mm-hmm. talented. Um, I can already tell just yeah. from the like small amount of dialogue that they've had. And also Shigure's. Both of them. I loved yeah. hearing Shigure say like very serious lines this episode and like hearing him talk to Akito, it's just he's like He's so natural and, like, so smooth, but he also manages to be, like, really menacing. It's just good. Um, it slaps hard. Yeah, the, like, art direction in the scene. Um, like, like when, when Shigure closes the window behind him and Akito moves towards him and they're, like, kimonos dragging behind, t- behind them. And then they sit on Shigure's lap, and, like, the detail of them holding hands and, like, the caressing of Shigure's cheek. It's so- it's a yeah. spicy meatball. Like. <laughs> and, she, like, I also wrote, um, just, like, going insane about the scene. 
they nailed Akito's body language and like because I think that like Akito's body language is one of one of the things that makes them so like menacing but like like they're they're so threatening and mysterious and also sexy Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with their body language and I think they did a really good job on it especially considering they're like 10 pounds (laughs) and always fucking sick like making them scary the fact despite the fact that they're like a fucking emaciated like how old is akito like 20 something something. uh yeah like i think that is they do a good job with like because i think like part of akito is akito isn't actually technically physically imposing Mm -hmm. but terrifying anyway yeah and that like contrast is really fun yeah um like, it would be totally, like, Akito would not be the same character if Akito was, like, ripped, you know? Right. Like, if Akito was, like, uh, like, physically scary, like, and the thing is, is, like, Akito will fuck you up. Right. Like, Akito will do physical violence, but it's just, like, they're scary, not necessarily because they're, like, and they're physically imposing even though they're small. Yeah. This scene was so fun and sexy and, like, totally, like, killed it and knocked it out of the park. And I think it, like, what's kind of upsetting is that I think part of this scene is to contrast the earlier scene with um, Rin Mm. and Shigure and show that Shigure wasn't actually interested in Rin because you're supposed to see that Shigure is, like, actually, like, not actually engaged. It, like, doesn't give a fuck if Rin wants to, like, sleep with him for whatever. Like, this is, like, oh, this is where Shigure's, like... This is where Shiguri is allied. Um, this is what he actually is invested in. And this is, like, also you're, you're supposed to be able to see that, like, this is actually, like, what it looks like when he, like, genuinely is, like, attracted to someone and genuinely, like, yeah. is engaged yeah. in that kind of way. While adding the, like, weird titty shot of Rin, like, I think really kind of, like, fucks up that contrast. Yeah. I agree. Oh, and I also like that they use both scenes to, like, show what it looks like, like, when Akito, uh, not Akito, when Shigure is one step ahead of the other person, uh, because he is one step ahead of both of them. Like, Rin comes to Shigure, and he knows exactly what she wants, and how she's gonna ask for it, and how he's gonna torture her and say no. And he goes to Akito, wanting to manipulate Akito into deciding to go to the lake house, and everything Akito says, Shigure is one step ahead of them. Like, they know where their train of thought is going and how he can convince Akito to go to the lake house. I wrote a huge paragraph about the lighting design in the scene because I just thought the lighting design was so stellar. And I think it, like, the lighting design in Fruits Basket is generally really good. Like, it's very dramatic. But, like, the storytelling of the lighting design in this scene was so good. I'll just, I'll sum it up very quickly. My thoughts on the lighting design is that the light, the light source is the sun and it's behind Shigure, behind the window, behind him. And so it's creating a shadow on his face for the entire scene. Um, but in the beginning of the scene, it's like shining down on Akito. It's like very ethereal and like highlighting their hair and their cheekbones and stuff. Um, but the whole time Shigure is in shadow. And then when Akito decides to like teach them a lesson their face is in shadow, but they haven't moved. And then they stand up into shadow, and as Akito, like, walks towards Shigure, 
um, as they're both kind of becoming on the same page, uh, Shigure closes the window and closes them off from the light source and puts the whole room in darkness. It's just sexy, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Just things I think about. Ooh-wee. Ooh, that scene was so Um, sexy, but that's the end of that scene. It was really... Yeah, there was some... I think that this episode had some just, like... It took some moments, some, like, really, like, key memorable moments from the manga and, like, did a good job. Yeah. Um. I'd be curious to know what um, new watchers think about Shigure and Akito's relationship. Yeah. Because it's pretty, like, ambiguous. I haven't, like, followed anyone, really, on social media who is watching Fruits Basket for the first time um, and isn't familiar with, like, either the original anime or the manga. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because, like, I don't know, it was such, like, a... It's, like, a shoujo classic, right? right? And so, like, a lot of people, it was, like, one of their first introductions to, like, anime and manga. And so a lot of the people who are watching it right now are, like, people like us who, like, read it as kids and are now coming back. Um, but it, I wonder what it's, I feel like it would be interesting to see how people who have never engaged with Fruits Basket at all before think, think is happening, like, yeah. what, what their opinions are yeah. of the characters. Um, I saw someone say that, like, Yuki is, like, a, like I don't know, it was, like, Yuki sucks, basically, like, he's just, like, a... <laughs> shitty vain like princely type um that doesn't have a lot of character depth and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about are we watching the same show i think Um, it's pretty clear by the second half of the first season that that's not true yeah i don't know it was fucked up i definitely like i remember thinking that when i was 10 (laughs) i didn't like yuki (laughs) but i I thought yuki was boring but that was because i just like didn't understand his character arc i was wrong i did i liked cute yeah when I was little, I liked I liked Yuki, okay, but I was, like, way more invested in Kyo. Like, Kyo is where I was all about. And I do remember I, like, did not give a fuck about the student council as a Me kid. Neither. I was, like, I basically was, like, just, like, powered through it. And I was, like, I don't give a fuck about any of these guys. Who the fuck are they? Um, where's Kyo? Yeah. But <laughs> I think, well, I just think Yuki's, like, character now arc th- in general is a little harder to understand because it's, um, it's a lot less, like, like, physical and present. Like, Kyo, mm-hmm. Kyo, like, everything that is going on with Kyo is very immediate. Um, but everything that's going on with Yuki yeah. has already happened, and, you know, as opposed to things yeah. that are about to happen to him, which is what the case with Kyo. Mm-hmm. So. It's just well, different. Speaking of, well, good transition into speaking of Yuki, because he closed the episode um, by being a little cutie, and he loves Toru so much. sickly rat. He fucking loves Toru. He loves Toru so Um, I thought, okay, not to be a Yuki Haru truther again, <laughs> but, um, it is my burden to bear. Uh-huh. Um, I thought it was so cute when, like, Haru was like, oh, like, can I go, like, take a bath? <laughs> I forget. He's like, I'm gonna go take a bath. Like, and Yuki was like, why are you asking permission? He's like, well, I don't know. I didn't want you to be lonely. <laughs> and Yuki's like, oh, just leave. And he, like, blushes and he, like, like pouts. And it's like, he's clearly, like, kind of embarrassed. But he's also, like, he's being a drama queen. Yeah. 
the hair the hair thing yeah oh my god he's like super whacked out like <laughs> the fever has him acting like crazy like normally he's so rich like pretty restrained um but i like he's just saying like if i were toru i would be like oh this bitch has like a high fever because he is not making any sense because all of a sudden he just like like he's like haru stop i'm not a baby and then he like flops down on the couch and is like grabbing toru's hair and he's like i have something to tell you and she's like hello i think it's cute hello? i think he's like I, I think he like doesn't know like how to connect and i think yeah. a really easy oh it's yeah. definitely cute like it's cute like he doesn't know how to connect and i think a lot of um I think, like, an instinctual way to connect with people is by touching them, but he obviously can't get that close to her. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweet. I just, I love, I like, I think I've, like, said this in previous episodes, but it's a big part of this season, is I just love seeing Yuki taking active steps to improve himself, even though clearly it's causing him pain, as we saw earlier in the episode. Uh, but he's doing it anyway, because mm-hmm. he wants to improve himself. And I think that it's a really valuable storyline. I love him. Yeah. I love Yuki so much. He, he's just, like, this is, like, this, like, after True Form, he's just, like, commits to, like, forcing himself to, like, try and become, like, a happier, like, healthier person, even if it's, like, sucks and is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I love that for him. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a strange, uh, episode to watch right after binging Evangelion, which is about the same thing, except about what goes wrong if you don't do that. Oh, right, you haven't seen Ava, but that's a big part of it. Yeah, I just know that, um, it's messed up, and there's a robot, and... Multiple robots. Trauma. (laughs) Um. Um. Well, I think, like, a big focus of it is, like, um making the conscious decision to to make human connections and how it's painful to do that mm-hmm. um and i think fruits basket shows um yes it's painful to do that but it's worth it and ava shows that if you don't do that um you're gonna suffer a lot um so yeah. it was a interesting contrast that i happened to watch evangelion last week and also this episode came out good episode overall i really enjoyed it there was the weird bit with rin that made us angry (laughs) but um aside from that i think i mean lake house is one of the best is like one of the funnest and most spicy arcs of fruits basket (laughs) like it just like is like so much shit goes down in lake house um and it's like i think really central to just like getting everything like fucking on the tracks yeah like everything up until here has been kind of preparing for this and lake house is like that all right the pieces are here let's get this moving so i'm excited i'm excited for the rest of lake house because so much fun stuff happens yeah and i think they're already doing a good job with it yeah i'm super psyched for the for the rest of this arc oh i'm so excited to finally see it It, like animated it's like kind of just hitting me right now that we're finally seeing lake house animated that was episode six. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at Soma So Good. If there's anything you want to ask us or any topics you want us to discuss, just hit us up on social media. 
Thanks for listening and see you next time.